RNMD is a show about hospital relationships from the perspective of doctors and nurses. You're very smart, and we know that you would never come to a podcast for medical advice. So obviously, call your non-podcasting doctor and nurse team if you need any medical care. Oh, and we should also mention that we don't represent any hospital at all, ever. Okay, start the thing. Welcome to RNMD, a show about doctors and nurses working together in this mad world of medicine. I'm Abby, your nurse host. I'm Laura, your doctor host. Welcome back, everybody. What's up, Laura? We have we have an announcement. We have an announcement today. And our announcement is that we do way too much shit all the time. <laughs> is that our announcement? All day, every day. I don't think that's an announcement. I think that's oh. just like baseline what's happening. <laughs> okay, fair. Then go ahead. Make your announcement, Abby. Okay, we have a very special action item for impact in healthcare coming up on Tuesday, January 25th. 25th. Yeah. 25th. Yeah. January 25th. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to announce it here because we're recording this over the weekend. This is going to come out on a Monday and then the 25th is the Tuesday. So I'm not going to give details, but keep your eyes open because it's going to be awesome. It's super exciting. Uh, we have done basically nothing else all weekend. We put this together in like a day and a half. Yeah. Super excited about it. Um, so can't wait for you guys to see it and give us some it's, feedback. It's going to be crazy. We're going to like... It's- yeah, we're messing with like people that we hate and it's really fun. I really thought you were going to say we're mas- we're messing with the space-time continuum and I'm like, yeah. I don't know how, <laughs> but we are. Like we that should be our next project though. Back to the Future is like my favorite movie, by the way. I mm, you're going to be mm. mad. I, mm, mm. I don't no. think I've seen it. I'm sorry. No. Okay, sorry. we're the next movie night. We're going to watch right. it. It's so good. Yeah, mm. Flux Capacitor. Great Scott. Okay. Mm, all right. <laughs> so anyway, so that said, uh, we, mm, Abby has done some preparation for today's episode. I have done zero preparation for today's episode. So we're just going to wing this and Abby's going to teach us a bunch of stuff. What are we talking about today, Abby? Oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> let me preface this because this is a weird topic and it, I don't know if it goes with our theme. It sort of doesn't, mm. but whatever. I don't care. It's interesting. <laughs> our our, th- our theme is gentle chaos that may or may not relate to healthcare. So yeah. this is perfectly in keeping with our theme. So we, like I was just saying, Laura and I have been working on this action item that's going out next week, basically for three days straight on top of trying to be people. So we did not have time to like actually prep for a new episode. But the cool thing is, is I had this one ready to go. So... Um, I did this episode once before with a amazing co-host. We tried to get that person to come back on to do it again. We're also going to make him listen to this. He, li- yeah. he, I think he listens anyway. Um, yeah. and this is us saying that don't you regret not coming on? Cause this would have been yeah. fun and you should come back it, on later. Yeah. You should come back on later. Yeah. But the audio was, um, messed up when I first recorded that, um, episode. So we're going to do it now. 
And so he, to, be, to be to be fair, he was invited to come back. He did not want to. So we're not just like excluding him because we're being rude. Like I want to. We're shaming that. him. We're we are shaming. Him. We're sh- publicly shaming. This is a public <laughs> we're not shame. joining. Yeah. Okay. So today's topic is Egyptian medicine. Woo! Featuring the three things I can remember about Egyptian mythology from seventh grade. So get excited. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. yeah. Egyptian medicine is really cool. And the reason one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode was because um you, we you hear a lot about the Greeks and and you know uh, when we're talking about medicine, but actually the ancient Egyptians were way further ahead. Um they were way more advanced and um I'll actually we'll find out in a little while that actually some of the Greek stuff that we know to be Greek actually came from Egypt. So, it's very interesting. Yeah, they're they're killing it basically. Yeah, there's and their outfits, just like their fashion in general, it's just cool. They really liked cats. I was into that. So yeah, and like how the pyramids, like behind the pyramid, it's like perfectly aligned with like the sunrise and the sunset. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. really drawing on like my sixth grade uh, world history class. Uh, shout out to Mr. Duval. So anything I contribute here is from sixth grade. <laughs> Okay. So ancient Egyptian medicine, first of all, um, there, you know, I I guess to talk about why, why pick this topic, right? So the importance of ancient Egyptian medicine um, is that a lot of the medical advancements, some that we even use today still started in Egypt and they were taken all over the world. Um, And a lot of their medical practices and procedures would not be seen in the West. And I think that's part of the reason why sometimes we we credit um, Greece for a lot of the things that we understand in healthcare as like ancient medicine. Um, but it's just it, it's only because we did not see it here. It didn't travel here, but it actually was in Egypt first. And then a lot of those ideas were taken all over the all over the world. Yeah. And I think this is like kind of true of a lot of our history of we're very like Eurocentric, but like, you know, Egypt was over here just literally basically millennia ahead of their time as far as like germ theory and doing some stuff. But because we're like a very Eurocentric, especially American history is very white centric, Eurocentric. We just sort of like ignore all of that stuff because it's Mm -hmm. not like a convenient part of our our lineage and our narrative. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. there's also like, this also sort of goes back to like a lot of these cultures and you'll get into this more Abby, but like a lot of these cultures were like a lot more feminist and a lot more egalitarian, which was like not part of the patriarchal male hierarchy that was so prominent in Europe. So it was like, mm, we're not going to yeah. talk about Cleopatra being a great military leader or female physicians because that doesn't she work was hot. for her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but she was hot though. She was hot. Yeah. Yeah, because that doesn't fit for our narrative of like, oh, men are in charge. There's a patriarchal lineage. Like if we start getting, if we let the women folk get too many ideas about women being able to do things in our Eurocentric worldview, we're going to lose power. So there's some erasure happening. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point. It's actually something we're going to, it's a good segue to what we're about to talk about. Um, So some of the things just right off the bat uh, as an overview that were specific to Egypt and very innovative. So one of the things is that they had both male and female doctors, um, which was not the norm for that time period. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Or or um, even like 20 years ago, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We're, we're getting over it now. <laughs> the Egyptians are like, wherever in their in their tombs and they're like what the fuck you guys like get it together (laughs) every every time it's assumed that i'm a nurse because i'm a female doctor 
and women can only be nurses every time the like Cleopatra's up there like what the fuck you guys what every time fuck? yeah so Come disappointed yeah. yeah okay so female okay. doctors what else um so okay so the ancient Egyptians they treated illnesses with pharmaceuticals they had drugs and some of them worked yeah kind of cool really yeah. it, it, amazing yeah um I thought this was just a little interesting they use massage as a treatment and we still do that to some degree. Yeah. 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 Um, they were, they recognized the need for cleanliness when they were treating page, patients. And this is documented in a lot of their texts. And so to your point, it wasn't until the 19th century that germ theory of disease was confirmed. So like they were way ahead of it. And like, you know, the story about the, the guy in the like modern era that proposed germ theory. Like he they thought he murdered. No, they something? thought he was. They thought he was insane. They sent him to an insane asylum because they're like, mm, yeah. this is this is some witchcraft shit." And they like, yeah. and then he died. They like died in infamy or something. Oh, he and died. He was, okay, yeah, he definitely died. But I think it was yeah. in the insane asylum. So the Egyptians had some stuff, <laughs> and then like three thousand years passed, and then we figured it out again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, doing great. <laughs> doing great. It's it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we're fine. Don't worry about it. I f- I feel like in a weird way, we're in one of those times with science right now where like we're taking like a step backward. Like we know how some of this works and like yeah. just yeah. we're ignoring it. To I'm some really degree. I'm really excited for the space podcasts in whatever society exists in 2000 years of a totally different species that isn't human anymore. Really excited <laughs> for them to talk shit about us. Like I can't wait. I mean, I'll be I honest, also- but I'm really excited for it anyway. <laughs> I also feel like you could make the argument that that could tie into ancient Egypt because don't some people think that it was like aliens who gave the Egyptians their information? I mean, I think some people think everything. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay. It's on the History Channel. It's real. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. Um, Okay. Something also cool um, about ancient Egyptians was a lot of their doctors routinely made house calls. Um, they would go house to house. That was their function as a doctor, um, which was something that I, I feel like we could still work on he- yeah. having here. This is I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna not sidetrack us today, but this is actually a really interesting thing as far as like the history of hospitals. Like hospitals weren't really a thing until like the 1920s, 1930s. Right. Like the the entire history of medicine up until about a hundred years ago mm-hmm. was entirely based in house calls. Like there was I, no center for treatment. I did an episode about that actually. I, think in I the actually past. listened to that one. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, also part Jason. of Gaslight Gaslight Roberts classes. So I <laughs> happen to know a bit about this. One more interesting thing I found was that um they recognized the heart as a pump. And that, you know, that is in their texts, their medical mm-hmm. texts um that you can still find today. It's they're fascinating. You should Google them. Um we'll talk about them a little later. But um and then they also thought that that's where feelings and personality came from as well. But they did recognize it as like a pump. So, okay, let's talk about magic versus medicine, right? Okay. So Ancient Egyptians, they believed in magic, right? And they believed mm-hmm. that disease and illness was caused by an evil force entering the body. And that was ingrained in Egyptian culture. Um, and it was considered just kind of like the standard natural. It was accepted. Um, so then we get into, I think I think her name is Heka, H-E-K-A, Heka? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Was the god of magic and... Um, but also a god of medicine and carried a staff that in, entwined two serpents 
And the Romans actually took this symbol and turned it into the caduceus. Yeah, caduceus. <laughs> I don't know. I pronounced it catechus until like three years ago. And then my mom made fun of me for that. So who knows? <laughs> I spelled it phonetically on my outline. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's caduceus. Um, interestingly, this is just like going back to my nerd status. The Greeks also have a god, Hecate, uh, H-E-C-A-T-E, who's also the goddess of magic. So basically all mythologies steal from each other. Yeah. Okay. And let's, religions, let's be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll get into that later. Mm, hot take. There's, okay. there, there, there's like some analogy between Osiris and Jesus. Like there's, there's some stuff there. <laughs> okay. So some of the earliest doctors in ancient Egypt were also magicians. Okay. Or I wouldn't even say we're also, they were magicians. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone would be ill. You would call the doctor, quote unquote, they would come and they would treat the patient with incantations. They would have magical spells. Um, as time went on, it sort of transformed into this middle ground where, um, some of the doctors were also these magicians or priests, which were some of the people also. Um, and then some of them were just more of like a treatment base and they weren't doing magical spells or incantations. So it was sort of like it evolved over time from just magic to some magic. And then there was a point where it was just someone who would come and treat you. Um, And I think that those options were available for most of the time anyway. And so I assume the priests, there were also like just magic-y priests, like there's just magic, just medicine, then there was like a hybrid. So you could just get your incantations with no potions kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Come light some incense. Yeah. I have, a, I have a question that's very off topic. I'm sorry. Okay. Were these priests fee for service? <laughs> they probably were. They probably right? were, right? Like, they. Let's be honest. They probably yeah. were. Yeah. I mean, you call them to your house. Yeah. And then give them some, some shekels or something. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the unit of currency was. Here's some papyrus. I'll pay you in papyrus. Some alligator teeth or something. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. We really did not do enough history on Egypt currency for this episode. So I'm very sorry, guys. <laughs> Okay, moving on. So Imhotep was the first proper doctor, like Mm -hmm. only doctor, no magic, not a priest, just a doctor. Um, And this was in 2600 BCE. Um, Imhotep argued that disease occurred naturally and that it wasn't a punishment from the gods, which I thought was pretty advanced for 2600 BCE. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Um, Okay, so a common theory of um, treatment and illness at the time is the channel theory. So a common belief at the time uh, was that the ancient Egyptians thought that gods, demons, and spirits cause disease. Doctors believed that spirits came into your body, blocked channels in the body, and this affected the way that the bodies worked. Um, And they developed their theory of channels like as a analogy with the Nile River. Uh, So the channels carry air, water, and blood um, to the body and around the body. Um, And it was, I mean, that's not a... They're not wrong. They're not totally... Yeah. yeah. They got the basics. Not terrible. And they they really got this from looking at uh, the Nile River. And for example, if the Nile River becomes blocked, then all of the crops become unhealthy. So that's sort of the line of thinking there. But yeah, if your blood isn't circulating, you're sick. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Checks out. I feel like I could use this to like, this is like, I could teach my patients some stuff with this. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you don't get blood to your heart, that is bad. The channels are blocked. Like, yeah, Yeah. that checks out. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So they would look for ways to unblock these channels with prayers and natural remedies. Um, And again, going back to the pump idea of the heart, they thought that the heart was the center of 46 channels or tubes. So they saw the heart as the center of this, um, I don't, what would you call it? Circulatory system, basically. (laughs) I I was going to say plumbing system. Your, your sounds more doctory, but yeah, I like where, do you know where they got the 46? Like was that, was that like a, uh, I, I don't know where they got 46 from, but what I will say is there was a difference. So they were doing dissections, like a lot Mm -hmm. of the cultures back there, you know, they wouldn't back there back then wouldn't allow (laughs) back there. Time is a a flat circle. So it's just a physical location. We're fine. (laughs) You're good back there. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Back there in in ancient Egypt, um, they did have people who would dissect bodies and especially Mm -hmm. obviously their embalming practices were very advanced. Like they really knew how to take care of dead bodies. They knew anatomy very well. Um, But those people that did like postmortem care, they were not affiliated with doctors at all. They were completely separate in the culture, in their learning. So like anything that somebody would know about the anatomy of like embalming, the doctors didn't have that same knowledge. This is like a very weird question and I don't expect you to know the answer, but do you know if like the people, did they do autopsies? I guess is my question. Like they had these embalmers, but was it just like a funeral rite kind of thing? Or did they actually do like, Hey, like how did this person die kind of stuff? So I I don't think it was an autopsy to see if the person would die. It was more of there was some teams of people who were studying just bodies in general. And Mm -hmm. then there was other people who were studying and training to be these like embalmers um, for the the more elite and people who could pay for it basically. Okay. Yeah. And this is actually interesting. I was at the, uh, the museum of natural history yesterday and they have like the mummy section. And mm-hmm. they, like one of the things they were talking about was like the wealthy mummies had like, like they were better prepared to look more lifelike. And then like the poor mummies are like, eh, here's a sheet. Yeah. If you could, um, afford it basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, there are still existing, a lot of medical papyrus from that day, um, which is pretty interesting. And so I wanted to talk about a little bit about like what is in their papyrus, like what Mm -hmm. is in, if you were studying to be a doctor back then, what would you be reading about? And it's extremely interesting. So um, necromancy, what is necromancy? (laughs) That's uh, reawakening the dead, right? Like that's bringing the dead back to life. It's CPR. (laughs) CPR. Ah, hot take, hot take. I feel like this is our hot take uh, graphic for the week is, is necromancy CPR? Like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It kind of is. Like, Yeah, literally bringing people back. All right. This is the hot take I was not ready for today. (laughs) Um, Okay. So uh, basically on these papyrus scrolls, uh, the early ones, there were spells written on them, right? And and then they kind of evolved into the medical text of the time. Um, and then those also were, uh, you know, they had various treatments and herbal remedies, etc. Okay. So Edwin Smith papyrus. Is Google Ed, some of these. Is, is Edwin Smith the white guy that discovered this? Yep. 
Big time. Damn it. God damn yeah. it. Okay. Come on, Edwin. Edwin, God. you didn't write this this scroll. <laughs> Stop taking credit. Stop taking credit for it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> what did Edwin discover? Okay. He found uh, a papyrus from around 1600 BCE. It's the oldest surgical text known. Um, it describes 48 cases of injuries, fractures, wounds, dislocations, and tumors. And it's believed to be a military papyrus, which would make sense with the different types of wounds, fractures, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> tumor is just like incidental. By the way, tumor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's very tumory over here. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. They're, they're, no one had sunscreen. It's, it's fine. Um, okay. So the Berlin medical papyrus is the next one, um, 1570 BCE. This papyrus deals with birth control and fertility tests. Let me tell you about this. Okay. This is the coolest thing ever. So there's instructions of the first known pregnancy test, and they have studied it since, and it works. It's effective. What is it? What do you do? Okay. So you would pee. You think you're pregnant. You would pee on barley or wheat seeds. And if the seeds sprout quickly, you know, and I I don't have the guideline for what quickly means, but if they sprout quickly, the woman was pregnant. Do you do you have like a control test for this? Like you have your peed upon barley seeds and then your normal barley seeds and you're like, which ones sprout faster? And if it's yeah. the, the peed upon ones, like, oh, okay. Your friend pees on one who's not <laughs> pregnant. You pee on one and you compare notes. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's actually a pretty good scientific process. I'd buy that. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like get your, your mom to like pee on one or something. Yeah, <laughs> you just, you, you and your friends pee on some barley seeds together. So does it work? Is it right? So several modern studies have replicated it and it it is shown to work fairly accurately. It was 70 to 85% accurate to predict pregnancy. All righty then. Okay. Yeah. I am going to say, I am going to say, so this is like the only thing that I, I didn't look up that test because I wanted you to tell me about it mm-hmm. and I love it, but I did like have like an anecdotal knowledge of in addition to this, the Egyptians also had like some of the only early effective birth control. Like they actually had some yeah. shit that actually worked. Like, which one's your favorite? Because I know mine. Is yours a crocodile dung? Yes, <laughs> I knew it was a crocodile dung. <laughs> so disgusting. Uh, yeah, so they used crocodile dung as like a pessary, basically, which is pretty gross. Um, they had like some early like modern diaphragms, basically. But the one that I thought was really cool, so they used um, like. It was like something that had to do with like acacia wood or something or seeds or some sort of some like some sort of botanical that um, they more or less made like a I think they basically made a diaphragm out of that as well. But then like they've recently figured out that it actually has spermicidal properties. So they're like, oh, like actually that was really effective. Wow. Like they, were, they did a really good job with it. Wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, OK, wait, I have to go back to the crocodile dung. Yeah, first tell, of all, tell how me, do you, t- t- just tell us all your thoughts on the crocodile dung. I'm excited. First of all, like, how do you get it? Like, you go by the river where the crocodile lives. Like, that's how much you don't want to get pregnant. Like, that's pretty badass, first it, of all. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to risk getting, getting eaten by a crocodile, and then I'm going to stick some some crocodile dung in some places imagine, that crocodile dung does not belong. Imagine the infection that you would get oh from this. That's why you dung. didn't get pregnant. It's because you died of AIDS. <laughs> yeah. You have an infection in your uterus now. Yeah. You actually are, are sterile now. It's fine. 
Oh my yeah. God. Lucy just moved her face in the background of your screen. So now I just see her little white face and she's so cute. She's so cute. She's so tired. She doesn't like this weather. It's so cold. Lucy is our new unofficial co-host. Yeah. She's here. Okay. Um, so the last papyrus I want to talk about is the Ebers papyrus. So Mm -hmm. it was 1550 BCE. And I mean, amazingly, they have mentions of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and depression, which I think depression is a really interesting thing Mm -hmm. for them to notice, not just like trauma injuries. Right. Um, and it stated specifically that the center of the body's blood supply is the heart and that every corner of the body is attached to vessels. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a section on birth control and there was evidence that doctors knew and were circulating ways to set broken bones and to treat burns. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty super advanced. Yeah. So how are they, like, how are they teaching each other? Like, was this like a apprenticeship? Was this like a... How did they figure all this shit out? Okay. Where were their Where um, were their labs? Were there labs in the pyramids? <laughs> I wish. Oh my god! I wish. Be, oh my god! That'd be so cool. That's a That's a comedy TV show waiting to happen. <laughs> like a med school in <laughs> yes. a pyramid in ancient Egypt, <laughs> but it has to be animated. Uh, Hollywood, call me. We're gonna make this happen. Yeah, <laughs> but like I don't know how you show who the nerds are and who are the cool people are when they don't have glasses. Did Egyptians not have glasses? I feel like they would have figured it out. Maybe they would have. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we're gonna do some more research. That'll be on next week's episode. <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> no, it won't. We're gonna forget. <laughs> okay. okay. Before we go on to the medical training, I want to just back up a little bit and go back to the anatomy knowledge and the embalmers. So, like we mentioned before, so the embalmers they regular regularly dissected bodies, but they didn't understand the actual structure and functions of the organs. It was more of like a procedure based um, action for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the the knowledge, like I mentioned, that they had this very advanced way to do embalming and handling postmortem care, but they never collaborated with the doctors. Um, they were considered these two professions were considered totally irrelevant. Like they were not in combination, they weren't in the same circles, etc. Um, so when we're talking about training, there there is. There's not a ton of information about the training, but what is known is that there were different schools for men and women. And there were um, some doctors who were general practitioners, and there were some who were specialists, which is yeah, like checks out. pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the top doctors of the time, they worked in like the royal court, and then below them, there would be like inspectors who would supervise the work of other doctors. So basically like an attending physician. <laughs> so what's the metric for being the best doctor in Egypt? Is it like, like how do you get in the Royal court? Is it your survival? Well, no, is it like, no, uh, number one, you got to be hot for sure. Oh, we know yeah, this. Definitely. Definitely. They you have be to be good. Okay. Looking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got the coolest cat. Oof. Your cat. You got the you most got a nice cats. Yeah, you have the most. You have a lot of cats. The the cats really like you, therefore. (laughs) Yeah. You two are a cool cat. Yeah. (laughs) No. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Thank you you for that reference. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, Okay. So injury versus illness, right? When we're talking about what were these doctors doing? Um, And I think you could even make the case that in 
like the Revolutionary War, like almost modern times for us, we were treating injury, not illness, right? Yeah. And then, um, and then you would get sick from your injury because we didn't wash our hands. Right. And then you died of the illness. <laughs> and then we would accuse you of being a witch if you asked for to wash your hands. Yeah. 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 Definitely yeah. a witch. It's fine. It's fine. Um, okay. So injuries were considered much more straightforward and much more common. Uh, obviously, the cause of illnesses, even now, are much more difficult to understand. So they would sometimes have a magician treat the patient because they blamed a chronic illness on a religious force or something that upset the gods or as a repercussion of a sin. Um, doctors generally might only observe a chronic illness um, and not really intervene because it was seen more adjacent to religion versus an injury they could see what was happening and and fix it. So, I mean, that's interesting. And going back to what you were saying earlier about separating the like the priests and the magic and religious component from the medical component, like that almost I almost wonder if that's how they set up sort of these specialists versus these GPs of like, OK, if you're just like, if you're just a surgeon and you're treating these physical injuries that have nothing to do with like a, you know, a sin or an upset God, then you can just be a doctor versus if you're doing more of this like chronic medical care, like chronic medical problems, if you're a GP, like you do need to have that priest component into it. Yeah, I, I would, I would say so. You, you definitely would need to have the combination if you're doing chronic illness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, and also just so weird how like religion gets tied into it just because culturally it was very intertwined like that mm -hmm. was the day-to-day -day norm of someone living in that society so of course it would impact their health care too right yeah yeah for sure um okay so let's talk about different types of illnesses and treatments that are recorded in these papyruses papyruses papyri papyri i think maybe hmm. i i don't know hmm. I could Google it, but we'll never know. We'll never know. Um, <laughs> okay. So um, asthma was recorded. Um, okay. And they used to use honey, milk, sesame, and frankincense to help you with your asthma attack. <laughs> Interesting. Not, I Not quite as good as albuterol, but... <laughs> don't know that I've tried any of those things. I mean, honey, I mean, you know. Yeah. Sore throat. I don't know. Anti-inflammatory. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Antibacterial, but... Oh, true. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Um, burns and skin disease. They use aloe. Yeah. Right on. Great. Love that. Awesome. Um, indigestion. They use juniper, mint, garlic, and sandalwood. I honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I thought juniper was kind of toxic, so that might not have helped, but it might be. Yeah. The, um, mint is good. Mint is good. Yeah. I wonder if, um, I wonder if ginger grows in Egypt. I don't actually know the growing conditions for ginger. I don't either. Because that's like ginger and it actually said so peppermint actually does have some correlation with like nausea. Like I think there's some literature there. So I mean, yeah, they're spot on there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and then for pain, they use thyme. I don't mm -hmm. think that really is going to do much. Um, do they have? But then they oh, probably they probably didn't have because like we get aspirin from willow trees, but I think willows have like such a high water demand they probably didn't have them in the desert right like yeah yeah i don't think that willow would grow there yeah well, really our, our botany knowledge is maybe <laughs> yeah. not good enough for yeah. this yeah. we're doing our best but yeah 
Um, okay. And then um, for cancer patients, they use cannabis. Yeah, we still do. We still do. We still That's do. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why why not give the cancer or the uh, cannabis to the pain patients while you're at it instead of the time? And I mean, it's honestly kind of interesting because like, I mean, we know now that most cancer patients die of like infection. That's like the, the big cause of death for, for cancer patients. But like another thing that we see and like the reason we use cannabis now is for like an ap- appetite stimulant. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're in, why not? if you're in Egypt and you, you know, ancient Egypt, you don't have a whole lot else. At least you can do is like, make sure this person stays like well-fed and has the, you know, has the calories. Comfort. Yeah. Well, the calories yeah. that like, cause I mean, yeah. tumors have like a really high like metabolic burden. So like if you keep some fat on people, they have more energy to keep the- themselves alive. Plus the tumor alive. Like it actually, yeah, it, I'm sure it probably did prolong their lives. Yeah, checks out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and it just it might give you some pain relief or something yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about the women in ancient Egypt medicine. Yes, um, I'm excited. There's, I'm so excited. Yeah. So okay, there's, as with everything, right? Um, just because something isn't recorded doesn't mean that it didn't happen, right? Um, and I think we see that a lot with history, and you have mm-hmm. to think about who's recording the history, right? Yeah. So this is no exception. Um, There's a lot of discrepancies in some of these um, ancient Egyptian records where um, female physicians' names may be largely missing from the record. Um, But I think it's also important to remember that that could be said about almost any, yeah. <laughs> almost any country or region, so, you see, know, women's names are missing from everything. I yeah. mean, and also I think like, I mean, we're talking about a long, like a long fucking time ago. That sounds stupid. Right. But like, you know, like a lot of records, a lot of history was lost in like the burning of the library of Alexandria. Like, you know, we've just physically lost a huge amount of history from this, this time period. So I think it's um <laughs> reasonable to say that we are dramatically underrepresenting the 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 role of women in medicine in Egypt, but we got a few and they're cool and we're going to talk about them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Merit Ptah is one of our first ancient Egyptian women in medicine. Um, she's thought to existed between 3150 and 2613 BCE. Um, and she was the royal court's chief physician. Um, and they have evidence of that in 2700 BCE, which is pretty cool. So she is technically the first female doctor known by name in world history. That's pretty cool. Way to go. Way yeah. to go, Maripata. Well Killing it, girl. Okay. Um, okay. Agnodice is the next one. Okay. Um, now. It might be Agnodice just based on my guessing. Agnodice based on Greek Greek mythology. I don't know. I could be totally I like. I like my Midwest Agnodice. Agnodice. <laughs> yeah. Agnodice. Probably Agnodice. But like. Okay. Agnodice. Okay. Agnodice is a female physician. Um, she was from Greece. Um, she wished, well, before she became a doctor, she wished to become a doctor. She lived in Athens, but it was forbidden for women to be physicians in Athens. So, uh, they actually pay, uh, face the death penalty if they were going to go to medical school. 
because you gotta women gotta stay in their lane. Ex- like they gotta exactly can't get too uppity. No, here. no, no. You cannot be <laughs> smarter than a man. You are a witch. Mm. Go to jail. Okay. Um, <laughs> so she refused to give up on her dreams. So she traveled to Alexandria, where women were routinely allowed in the medical profession. Once um, she received her training, she went back to Athens to practice, but she did so disguised as a man. And when she was found to be a woman pretending to be a doctor, she was a fucking doctor, but quote unquote <laughs> pretending. Pretending. Yeah. She was brought to trial. She was charged with a capital crime until she was saved by her female patients who stormed the proceedings and shamed the prosecuting males into releasing her. Wait, no, hold on, hold on. I know this story. This is a good story. So the best part about this story is that the initial reason the guys in, in Athens, or whatever, all got mad at her was because she like had such good outcomes. I think she did mostly like, um, like gynecology OB stuff and she had such good outcomes because her female patients trusted her that the men were like, oh, she must be seducing all of our wives. And they're like, that's what they initially were pissed about. They're like, oh, this like this doctor is doing too well. And she is, it must be because she's sleeping with our wives. And so, so she like, so she like goes to the trial and she just like lifts up her tunic and flashes everybody. And, and they're like, oh, oh fuck, she's a woman. Okay. 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 Now it's a crime. Like, so the entire, the entire thing was like, she was too good at her job. And they were wrong about it, like, the entire way. And then their wives were like, no, fuck you guys. We all would have died in childbirth. Your kids would be dead. Like, no, she's staying, so. Okay, well, she's a badass. First of all, to be (laughs) up on trial and just, like, flash people and be like, guess what? I'm a lady. (laughs) Bitches. (laughs) Um, Honestly. I mean. We respect it. Yeah, I really love. I love the idea that her patients, her female patients came and like stormed the shit and like shamed the men into letting her. Cause it was like, it was like their husband. Yeah. So like, yeah, they kept me, she kept me alive. Yeah. Like, all right. Like, yeah. What is the matter with you? Like, stop trying to send her to jail. We love her. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also like to go back to, obviously we're using gender as a binary because we're talking about like history. Um, but like, who knows? Like maybe she, was sleeping with some of their wives. I don't know. Yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> she was She was also a damn good doctor. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, ethics. Mm. <laughs> All right. But she was still very effective. She was extremely effective. Yeah. Um, don't sleep with your patients. It's bad. Yeah. Anymore. Stop doing it. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, following her trial, they actually changed the laws in Athens. So, women could practice medicine. Um, and the only reason why I bring this up is because, again, we always look at Greece as like the leader of, you know, medical history. But this was happening where she was almost jailed um, for being a a practicing female physician. But there had been female physicians in Egypt for centuries before this trial, which is so cool. The other thing, so I mean, we made a joke at the beginning of this about they didn't want her to be a doctor because they didn't want her to be up place. And then she ended up getting the laws of all of Athens changed. So like, their fear was founded. Yeah. Like she like really fucked some stuff up. Yeah. Like they were not incorrect in being like women shouldn't be doctors. <laughs> They'll mess things up. Like, yeah, she did. Yeah. Good, good for her. Yeah. We good for her. Yeah. She disrupted that whole shit. Like <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. 
they were correct. It was a founded fear. Yes. That's, that's why you got to keep women out of places of power because we fuck shit up <laughs> in a good way. There's a, there was like, there's probably some old, old ass guy at that trial who's like sitting in the corner like, see, I told you, you gave them too much power. <laughs> and now look, they're storming on our trial right now. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't have empowered them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they need more laundry. I, I lo- okay. <laughs> yeah. I love that for us. This is like a great piece of history. It's really good. Um, so there was actually some something kind of cool with doctors and nurses in ancient Egyptian mm-hmm. medicine. There was an established doctor-nurse relationship. Um, and it was it was a lot of midwives. It was sort of interchangeable to some degree. Um, but even like today, midwives manage birth. Um Females only were allowed to be midwives. Um, They were generally friends or loved ones. There was no formal training for a midwife. Um, Now, a nurse, on the other hand, could be male or female, and they were highly respected. They also had no formal training. But in society, it was a position of um, admiration or power. I I don't know how much, if it was lucrative, I doubt it, but... (laughs) (laughs) And we're back to fever service. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So there was also um, wet nurses who did their own uh, nursing specialty, actual nursing nurses, right? Wet nurses. Um, yeah. And that was essential, especially in the royalty um, realms, because uh, routinely women died, died of childbirth. So they didn't want their heirs to also die because of uh, lack of formula. Not formula? What's it called? Breast milk? Milk. Food? <laughs> Food. Food? <laughs> Nutrition? What's that word? Food? <laughs> What's that word? <laughs> okay. It's been a really, it's been a really long week, you guys. We're doing our best. We did a lot this week. Like, we're kind of, kind of killing it. I'm actually very proud of us. We're, we're crushing it. Okay, keep going, Abby. Okay. What else we got? Egyptologist Carolyn Graves Brown was quoted saying, in the New Kingdom, at least, the royal nurse was a very important person, being so close to the king. Despite the fact that women's occupations are rarely shown in the tombs of their male relatives, tomb owners often showed show their female relatives in the role of nurses to the king. So it was seen as a very... Yeah. High. That was the job you wanted. Yeah. Like high ranking. Your family's going to brag about you if you're the, exactly. the king's nurse. Exactly. Okay. She went on to say that nurses also seem to have been held in high regard by non-royal elite as well as they are shown in private tomb chapels um, with their family. So if they the family would have like a family nurse who maybe lived with them and they would include them in like the tombs. Okay, that's cool. So they were like respected as members of the team of the family, yeah, the caregivers, yeah, okay. which is pretty cool. Okay, yeah, this is the part I've been waiting for. This is my favorite part. Okay, okay, all right, yeah, okay. So surgery, they were so good at surgery, like it's crazy, and like why? Tell me, tell me about their surgery. I'm, I'm excited. Okay, I'm going to tell you. What did they do? What did they do? Okay, so let's talk about the instruments that they used first of all. There's been, they have found in ancient Egypt, they have found flint and metal scalpels. They have found dental pliers, bone saws, probes, catheters, clamps for stopping blood flow, forceps, lancets for opening veins, sponges, scissors, bandages of linen, um, and scales for weighing the proper amount of material 
if they're giving medicine. Okay. So they had like some some stuff. They had some technology. They had like a pharmacy. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile Europe was still not washing their hands. <laughs> yeah. Put that guy I'm just gonna, I'm in just, the dungeon. Yeah. I'm just going to keep coming back to that for like 5,000 years. <laughs> just didn't wash their yeah, hands. Like, okay. Yeah. They're in Egypt with like bone saws and catheters. And like in Europe, yeah. they're just like, no, the four humors are fine. Like it's yeah. bad error. <laughs> He's a witch, burn him. He's a witch. Yeah. <laughs> or she, probably. And let's in, be honest. And in Egypt, they're like, and in Egypt is like, oh, he's a witch. He's gonna be my doctor. Yeah. Like, I love that. <laughs> yeah, That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they let's were celebrate the witch the witchcraftery. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And there are there's evidence on these mummies that they've um examined now in modern times. There's evidence that they had not only did they do these surgical treatments, that they were successful because Many of the mummies of, uh, that we have currently are found with old amputations. Some of them have prosthetic limbs that are made of wood. Um, there's evidence of non-invasive surgery. There's evidence of successful tumor removals. Um, and I think the cool thing about the the limbs that I, when I was researching this episode, the cool thing that I found was some of the prosthetics were not for function. They were for looks. And so like one that I saw was um, there was a big toe that somebody had and it was a prosthetic and it was made out of wood. It's like, oh, we, we wear a lot of sandals. Yeah. You got to have that. Yeah. You got to have all your toes. Yeah. It looks weird if I don't, if I don't have my big toe. So there's also the surgical, surgical technique of tref, like the trephination or whatever, yeah. where they drill like burr holes and skulls that apparently goes back even further. It goes back like 5000 BC, but they also did that. It looks like oh wow, the 12th and 18th dynasties would do like burr holes. So they literally had neurosurgery. Like what? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry. I love this. I love it too. One of the, one of the really, one of my favorite things about their surgery is that there's evidence that they were cauterizing during their surgeries. And like, that's something that we didn't have for many, many, many centuries later. Okay. Like I, I can't even fucking <laughs> cauterize correctly. Like we got the little portable ones in the ER, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I made a mistake. I Googled like trepidation and now I'm on a, an article called transnasal exerebration surgery in ancient Egypt. Oh my God. Who? I don't know what that means, but I'm really excited. What nerd wrote that? Somebody is a bigger nerd than us. Can you believe it? I'm impressed. <laughs> we should be friends. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about dentistry. Um, so obviously dentistry, especially in an ancient time is going to be a big deal, right? Um, there's a lot of issues, especially in Egypt at that time with diet. Um, they had a very rough diet and there was an inability to keep sand out of their food. So there was a lot of dental issues in ancient Egypt. There's a lot of mummies now that have evidence of bridge, of a bridge in their mouth. <laughs> Way to go early okay. dentists. <laughs> I also have literally never thought about like, oh, eating a lot of sand is bad for your teeth. But like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Never thought about that before. Yeah. I wonder how camels deal with it. Anyway. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even have a guess. I don't even know what a camel eats. Plants. Okay. Anyway. Plants. <laughs> okay. Um, the belief at the time was that there was a tooth worm that lived in your mouth 
and it would cause abscesses. Um, and so if you had a problem, if you had like a nasty cavity or something like that, and it was bothering you, it was because the toothworm was messing with you. So you would go to the doctor and the doctor would have incantations. Um, and these are documented on these, you know, papyrus uh, that we have now, papyri that we have now. Um, and they, the thought was that they would drive out the toothworm. So that's the little bit of magic in it. But then there's also evidence of tooth extractions and they used opioids to help this um, as an anesthesia option. I don't mean this is a joke whatsoever. They probably know about as much as teeth as I do. I'm like, I don't know. Here's a dentist phone number. Yeah. It's like my entire treatment. I think they might have been doing better than me. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, they were removing <laughs> abscesses and stuff. Yeah. 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 I'm like, no, here's some penicillin. I don't know. Yeah. And along with the different things that they were also doing with your teeth, bad breath was also something that they didn't like. And so they would make gum uh, of all honey, cinnamon, myrrh, and frankincense, and people would chew on it. Huh. All right. That, Fair enough. That's cute. Yeah, they also, they also, they wash their hands and they had good breath. I'm here for it. They're super into like fashion and hygiene and like medicine. I, I think I'm, we, and having all their toes, like we would have gotten along. We would have thrived there. Yeah. Yeah. We would have done great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about some of the medications and let's also talk about how they dispensed their medications because it wasn't just like a frenzy free-for-all like you might think um okay so herbs spices antacids copper salts diuretics castor oil copper salts um, which are antimicrobial turpentine oil uh which was applied to the skin for joint pain muscle pain nerve pain garlic which we now know is linked to heart health they used um, honey for wounds, which we still use, meta honey for. Um, they use sedatives. They use muscle relaxers, calcium carb, uh, uh, astringents, which they basically like had like as a lotion, um, and they would apply it to the skin for uh, like a minor abrasion to reduce bleeding. Um, they use calcium carbonate. They use magnesium, um, and they had a lot of topicals like ointments, wraps, oral medications like pills. They also had mouth rinses, and they had some medications that were used through inhalation. Pretty cool. Okay. All right. Pretty good. Yeah, not bad. I mean, this is better than my first aid kit for sure. Um, <laughs> so I have three vials of lidocaine yeah. and nothing else. And nothing else. Yeah. Some gauze. Oh my God. I have like old IV start kits and stuff. I got to get rid of some of that stuff. Um, yeah. I have suture, but no needle drivers. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, yeah. I actually think I have the needle driver and not the sutures. I could just give you mine. <laughs> Between the two of us, we have something 15% of a first aid kit. Yeah. Um, okay. So they would dispense the medications by instructions that would be listed and then it would be a precise dose and a manner in how to take whatever they were giving was written down and given to the patient. So it's essentially instructions of how to take their medication. Yeah. Um, I like, I like your note that says with or without food slash wine. I'm going to start telling my patient. <laughs> 
to my patients to take their food with wine. I feel like my compliance would go way up. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Big time. Yeah. I t- take your lisinopril every night with <laughs> half a glass of red wine. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> sure. Why not? I think that that was part of it sometimes. Like they believe that the wine helped certain things, you know, medications work better in your body, which okay maybe i'll try yeah, yeah. <laughs> Incre- increase that that uh sip 3a4 in your liver like. yeah <laughs> yeah okay wait sidetrack real quick um i'm having surgery on thursday laura already knows this um and i had my pre-op clearance and i got a note from the doctor who did it yesterday and she messaged me on my chart and she was like I have to um, run, I have to add on a lab for you because I didn't realize the ortho doctor who's doing my surgery, who's a very, he loves rules. He's a stickler for rules. He didn't accept it, the paperwork that she submitted because he didn't run a hemoglobin A1C on me. And I just wrote back in the chart, like, LOL, hopefully it's not too high and I have to cancel my surgery. (laughs) Watch your A1C be like nine. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel like I feel like I'm sh- I feel like I'm shaming here right now. I don't think it's actually gonna be nine. It's not. I I checked it this morning. It's like five. Yeah. Um, okay, you're fine. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I thought that was really funny. So anyway, um, I don't know what the point of that was, but anyway. <laughs> Take your take your metformin with wine. Yeah. This is not medical advice. You shouldn't do that. But if you want to, do whatever you want. Like, I don't know. You're an adult. It's more like friendship advice. <laughs> friendship advice. Abby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't take your post-op antibiotics with wine. I'm not going to recommend that. Okay, fine. All right, fine. Um, okay. And then, like I said before, they had medication scales um, and they would measure by volume, not by weight. But they were measuring. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Checks out. Yeah. Um, So like we said before, practices uh, in ancient Egypt informed both Greek and Roman medicine. um, And we really didn't see the procedures in the West until centuries after the fall of Rome. Um, So some of it got lost. I think it, it went to Rome. They adapted some of this stuff. And then when the Rome fell, it kind of got buried for a while. And then I think there was this idea that some of these ideas that actually originated in Egypt came from Rome, but they didn't. So this is like me being a big policy nerd, but like, I really do want to know like, what were the, and I'm gonna have to dive into this. I don't expect you to know this, but like, what was the the dynamic of like, who could access medical care? Was there an expectation of payment? Was there like a way to actually like make sure that everyone like, you know, that laborers were getting dental care or was it just like limited to the ruling elite? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Were they also a capitalist fee for medicine service that didn't work for everybody? Let me look. Or did they have their shit together? Let me look it up. Okay. Great question, Laura. Um, I, <laughs> I found this article by the Smithsonian magazine um, okay. And the title of it is some ancient Egyptians had state sponsored health care. <laughs> okay. Um, they were better than us in every way. In every single way. Okay. I'm so upset right now. <laughs> so, okay. Let me read a little bit of this to you because it's so interesting. Okay. Craftsmen who built royal tombs enjoyed sick days, um, had designated physicians and rationed medicine, and it was all paid for by the state. <laughs> wow. Wow. I feel like we just end here. I have nothing else to say. I'm done. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> T- 
take me back to ancient Egypt. Oh my God. Among the texts discovered are numerous records detailing when and why individual workmen for, were absent from work. Someone was keeping mad records on w- workplace absentees. And absentees? Absentees. Absenteeism? Absenteeism. Oh, for fuck's sake. Absences? I don't absences. Know. <laughs> Workplace absences. Um, okay. okay. Uh, almost one third of absences were as a result of workmen being too sick for work. Monthly ration distributions, however, were very consistent, indicating that these workmen were still paid their monthly grain even if they were off work sick for several days. <laughs> we're failing. America's fine. We're fine. So I think part of this, it's also important to know, is that even at this time, um, family was the main safety net um, for any kind of patient. So there's a lot of documented evidence, actually. There's a lot of letters, personal letters, um, and other things that indicate that family members were expected to take care of each other by providing food and clothing, especially when someone was sick, um, and it was reciprocal. So it was regardless of age, gender, and children were expected to take care of both parents. Um, and when they didn't, when the, if they neglected, like for example, there is evidence um, of this one woman who she had four children, um, and she was a dedicated mother. They all abandoned her in her old age. She disinherited them from her will. She so she punished them financially and then she also shamed them in a public document in front of the most senior members of the community. So she was like these kids are I, fucked. Like <laughs> <laughs> fuck them kids. I honestly respect that. Like okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cancel cancel culture in Egypt. I, I'm here for it. Exactly. So I guess the point of this is to show that at least um in some of these documented instances there's kind of a two-part system that overlap each other. So like care was provided through the state and it also was provided by the community. Like you were expected to come and take care of your sick relatives. Um, And then if you had one of these jobs, like these workmen jobs, for example, there was paid sick leave and there was a physician that would be paid for by the government. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly very... (laughs) I mean, we keep saying this. It's just such an advanced system for literally 5,000 years ago. Like, Yeah. And I love the idea of like name and shame those kids if they're shitty. (laughs) I love that. Like, yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't have to like take care of her if like she has the money. She just needs one of her kids to come live with her. Like, come and do that now, please. Like. Yeah. Or at least hire her a nurse, kids. Like, come on, do something. Do something for her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my that's my story about Egyptian medicine. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I had a great time. I mostly I mostly liked the angry feminist parts the best, but yeah. I mean all of it was good. All of it was good. Same. So um thank you everyone for listening to this episode. I know it was a little different than our normal format. Uh, but we were just excited to do this. And honestly, you'll see on Tuesday, we've been working on something kind of big. We really just needed to do something fun for ourselves this week. <laughs> yeah, we, I think, um, I think something we've talked about is the structure of RNMD has changed a little bit over the past, since I've come on basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is shifting more to like a policy and more to like a little bit of a denser 
maybe not always um, super lighthearted because I think there's a lot of stuff going on that we need to talk about. So we are shifting a little bit to a little bit more serious policy stuff, but we're still going to do dumb shit sometimes. Yeah. Like talk about mythology and ancient Egypt because we just really like it. Yeah. So let us know if there are other things you want us to talk about. It's a grab bag. Yeah. So you can find us um, on Instagram, RNMD podcast. You can email us RNMD podcast at gmail.com. Please like rate uh, review our podcast. That's a really easy way to help the show out. Um, And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.